0: Yeah, I think I don't know. Maybe for me personally, like happiness is one and like a motivator, major motivator. But I think there are um, other motivators too. Like, um, like the feeling of satisfaction, for example. Like, maybe it doesn't bring you happiness, but it brings you like the, the sensation. Like, let's say an athlete who's trained year after year after year to, to compete in this. Two-kilometer or whatever running race, and they smash it. They win. Perhaps the feeling they get isn't pure happiness and joy, but it's like it's like that pat on, that self pat on the back. Like yes, I did it. I can achieve like these things, and like that that sense that it comes from like the hard work um, did pay off. All these kind of things, and I think that actually ties back into the fact that a lot of people are starting now to realise that yeah, of course, I'm sure you're the same. That happiness can come from within first. So looking always externally here or here, or like what what systems can I do? Goal planning or something to gratify myself. You're totally right man. Like if you're always seeking the, the gratification, you're gonna, have, because the reality is once you tick one box, you're gonna have another one and another one and another one. No one gets to some point, or I, well, I don't think, and just says, yeah, I'm done now. Uh, my life is perfect and there's no stone left unturned. I'm good. I think there's always something more and that's so beautiful about the human drive we're always trying to to do that little bit more so perhaps it is super healthy to, to recognize yeah there's always going to be another new year's resolution and there's always going to be another set of goals but but really if i want if happiness is my goal i've got to look inwards first but if happiness isn't my goal perhaps i can can get that reward system somewhere else
1: That's Ryan. You might recognize his voice or his name from a previous podcast. And that's because this is the second podcast that Ryan is joining me for. Welcome to Couple of Lattes podcast. I'm your host, Jacques Massey. And today, Ryan and I are going to sit down and we're going to talk about self-social contracts. My first question was, what are self-social contracts? And during my research, I dove into social contracts in general. So to start with, we're going to lead into a conversation about social contracts and then progress into what exactly self-social contracts are, how they can help you, how they can change your habits for the better, and how they can get you more on track to live and lead the life that you want to. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with as many homies as possible. Give it a like, rate it if you're using Apple Podcasts, and please leave a, uh, a comment and let us know what you think it's going to be interesting to see if uh, all the the positive change lasts as things get busy again whether people kind of remember how much they enjoy slowing down every now and again this this idea before this quarantine was speed is the only way it has to be fast has to be quick and in reality Mm -hmm. it's kind of like Sometimes you just gotta slow down and speed up.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say in this like day and age we're so um we're so quick to move on, like as well. Like look at the fires, like it almost feels like we've almost stopped talking about the fires. It's like we had fires, now we've got the coronavirus, it's like who knows what it'll be like in two more months when things have really changed again. That like, maybe we'll be back to business as
1: usual. So it's yeah. so hard to, to predict to predict these things. to yeah. yeah it's be time interesting. time moves really fast now. A friend of mine actually, he went for a drive through uh, like that kind of, what was it, like southeastern part of Victoria that got slain by the fires and he was driving oh, for wow. like 100 kilometers and he was like recording. It's just all just black, crispy trees with new growth, which looked like photo photography wise, I was like, wow, this looks sick. I want to go down there. But like at the mm-hmm. same time, I was like, fuck, have we already forgotten how bad that was? And it's just like, yeah, just reminded me then crazy yeah anyway bro welcome, no, yeah. welcome to a second show on couple of lattes yeah i'm
0: feeling, <laughs> feeling privileged
1: <Tough laughs> yeah man, i always love having to yarn with you actually the other day yesterday that's yeah, been good yesterday i hung out with a human being and like in real life other than my brother for the first time since this started and it felt so oh, yeah? fucking good like it was super weird but I was just so pumped to see a human like actually like yeah uh, uh, if there wasn't restrictions I would have probably just like touched his face just like dude are you real
0: (laughs) my hands are clean (laughs) yeah my hands hands are clean (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: but yeah I guess like Zoom is the next best thing right
0: yeah Uh, oh man imagine if we could go back in time and invest in shares in Zoom six months ago oh yeah we'd be loaded
1: yeah dude (laughs) Oh, well. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Hindsight's 2020. Maybe you can just short Zoom so like just when this pandemic's coming to an end.
0: Yeah, or maybe when we get Neuralink, we'll just be able to like let people see through our
1: eyes. Hey, check out what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, dude, I really (laughs) want to have a conversation about that, but I want to learn more about it.
0: Yeah, I don't really know too much about Neuralink either. I sort of just know what I get, like the hand-me-down information. It seems pretty incredible. insane
1: though yeah Elon Musk is like crazy intelligent I don't know if you've listened to it already but if you haven't listen to the listen to the Joe Rogan Elon Musk the second podcast they did together yeah that was really interesting how
0: he's like dematerializing his life I thought that was pretty cool
1: yeah I thought it was cool that he was just like there calmly explaining like I'm doing this because I just I don't want to be associated with the negative aspects of being a billionaire Mm. I want to be recognized for who I am which is uh Ideologist, a futurist, an innovator. Yeah, a philanthropist. And like we were talking about last time, our last topic was outrage culture. And it's like the way the world saw it was when he went on Twitter and said that, they're like, oh, he's crazy. Mm. He's gone mental. He can't handle lockdown. Really, he's just like, no, I just don't really want all the stuff because it's not who I want to be. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, totally. And yeah, and it's like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If you buy 20 houses, you're crazy. Because yeah. you're too rich. And then if you, if you downgrade and live in a small house, they're like, why is he a billionaire? Why doesn't he live in a mansion? Like, <laughs> how, do you, how do you impress everyone? Yeah. You
1: just can't win.
0: Just, yeah, just do what makes you happy. Good on you, Elon, yeah. wherever you are
1: right now. <laughs> yeah, and good on Joe Rogan too. Did you see he signed a $100 million contract with Spotify? To have his, no. His, his podcast is now going to be exclusively on Spotify. They're not going to change any of the content. All the content is still his own ideas, but Spotify has mm-hmm. the streaming rights. So it's like so.
0: 100... He's now going to put. So then now i going to be on YouTube
1: or. Uh no, it's all going to be on Spotify. I, as far yeah, as I know, I didn't know that. As far as I know, I think I think the reason. I don't know for sure. Actually, I need to read more about it. But I would I would guess I would assume the reason was that like. Places like Spotify and Apple are starting to really censor what people can say. And the algorithms are starting to remove videos that may offend people. And as you can imagine, Mm -hmm. Joe Rogan's podcasts are designed to be, like, not offensive, but, like, I guess, like, challenge people. Yeah,
0: thought-provoking. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
1: There's such a range of people. Like, he'll have, like, you know, like, Far right on the show one week, and then we will have far left on the mm. show the next week. Like he's, he doesn't kind of pick a side. He's, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So yeah, I, th- yeah. I think I think he Spotify was fine to just let that be, and so that kind of that's him, good made him go yeah.
0: But do, does that mean it won't have video now though? Because I like being able to like see their face and their facial expressions and that kind mm. of
1: thing. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I need to read more about.
0: Does Spotify have video? I don't know. Like, I have Spotify, but I've never watched a video on Spotify.
1: I don't, I don't think so. I know they have those, like, when you look on Spotify and you're listening to a tune, they've got, like, those little mini video clips. A, a, a macro perspective in terms of communities and cities and countries, and then dive into the individual. I don't, I don't know if you've read the book uh, Republic by, by Plato? No. Dude, super. Like, when you when you started talking about social contracts, I was like, oh, man, I've, I've got some context here because... Essentially, oh, Plato's Republic was, you know, he's a Greek philosopher, and it's yeah. it's written, you know, r- roughly two thousand years ago. I think two thousand plus years ago. And he's talking about yeah. like the different forms of governance, and essentially the book is the idea is to try and find the most just, like the perfect style of governance with the perfect social mm-hmm. social contracts. Essentially, how do you get a community to be, in general, happy, positive? and driven and just, really, instead of...
0: Gotcha. Totally.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, and he goes over things like democracy, which is like Spartan culture where the military elite rule. Yeah. Um, oligarchy, which is rich people ruling everything. Yeah. But everyone hates them. Democracy, which is kind of...
0: <laughs> everyone hates them.
1: <laughs> yeah, <but> essentially. Um, <laughs> yeah. Democracy, which is like... Everybody... We're, I think we're kind of most countries nowadays are in a form of like capitalist (laughs) democracy um yeah but not not kind of what it was in greek times and in those times was like everyone could be in the government like if you just walked into the government and just went yo i want to be in the government they'd be like yeah cool man like it's fine it's democracy like you have your say which is kind of crazy it's i guess it's a bit more a bit more like left-leaning uh, and then he talks about tyranny and aristocracy, which is, aristocracy is like his golden form of governance, where philosophers rule and uh, everyone of has a role. Wants that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's like, the idea is the philosopher... This government is where I'm in charge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's more. He's more saying it from a perspective of they don't really want to be in charge, and the people that are in charge yeah, don't yeah. have any money or belongings or possessions. They're basically looked after by the community. It's a, it's more socialist, really. When I read it, mm, cool. But anyway, the, I just it almost to, sounds
0: like a it almost sounds like village. Like I know I don't know if there's a term for it, but it almost sounds like village style. Like you know how the village comes together. Yes. Yeah. Like elect, like almost like a leader who the leader isn't like super rich or super poor. They just sort of everyone supports each Mm. other through the village. It almost sounds kind of like that. Yeah,
1: I think so. Yeah. I I think it's, maybe, maybe it's hard to
0: pull off on like a huge scale, like billion people or a couple hundred million people per
1: country.
0: Yeah, definitely. Who who knows?
1: Definitely. I think, I think, I don't know, this is my opinion, like, it's not based on fact, but I think what, like, the ideas that he touches on with an aristocracy is, like, the early kind of concepts of a more globalized community um, Mm. where, like you say, everyone looks after each other, that the metrics of success aren't based on financials or materialistic. It's based on, like, you know, development and community progress as a whole, you know, growth and contribution to each other, which, in a way, I I think this... Uh, coronavirus has kind of promoted more of like a community feel, and people are starting to see the benefits of looking after each other and helping each other.
0: Yeah, totally. Have you heard of the pots and pans revolution in Iceland? No, I'm only just thinking about this while you're talking. It's it's I don't know the exact dates or anything, but like that. But essentially, in a nutshell, the Icelandic people sort of overthrew. The government to re-institute their own like constitution and like reform the democracy to have like people in like in government who were teachers doctors lawyers nurses uh blah blah, blah. like people who were perhaps more like less politically like um career politicians and more like everyday people if that makes sense and they like yeah right. restructured their so it's, it's really it's really interesting. I think that's kind of a similar thing. And they sort of restructured that whole, like what we're talking about, with like the social contracts, because they were saying, okay, we're putting more value in these kind of things. And we felt the government was going a bit too much this way. So we're going to restructure and we're going to have like, yeah, they sort of rearranged, realigned the values, I guess, as well, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, right. So I guess instead of putting politicians in charge of something that they're not really an expert at, putting an expert in charge of that. So, like, schooling, it was teachers were in charge of the schooling and finance, financial experts were in charge of finance and doctors were in charge of health Mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing without the political Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and and more,
0: like, more social rights for, like, you know, um, equality, um, homosexuality, all those kind of things as well. Some things where they felt, I guess, they weren't getting addressed by, the like government narrative or whatever which is like I guess that's 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 like every population everywhere like no I don't know I don't think any government is like perfect for every single person in that country like maybe mm-hmm. there's some countries who feel more to a greater mass like 90 percent or 95 percent or something like this but I think there's always going to be you know what I mean someone who's different. like well oh, this doesn't suit me I like it better if we did xyz yeah
1: kind of thing yeah just to get off topic slightly i think that that kind of comes from that whole um, negative bias that we have you know a lot a lot of people i guess especially when you're younger you kind of go into life going all right i want to please everyone like i want to find the solutions that will work for everyone and it's just not actually possible at all because i I guess the way the way our minds work is we have this negativity bias which comes from prehistoric days where you know, the positive version would be, okay, I'll walk up to the saber-toothed tiger and pat him on the head and he'll be my friend. But that just didn't work when saber-toothed tigers wanted to eat people. So we had this negativity bias where, all right, you see a saber-toothed tiger, you instantly think of the worst case scenario and you either fight or you flight. So we've kind of all got this negativity bias now here, where even if there's like overwhelming positivity, if we see one little negative flaw in a plan or the way a government runs a country will nitpick at that will attack that and that's where like yeah i think yeah. A, a lot of people especially when they're young they go into life going man i just want to please everyone it's like it's actually not possible you can't please everyone yeah it's just not i possible.
0: think he, he, yeah humans are so inquisitive too inquisitive like being inquisitive leads to caution as well it's exactly like what you're saying mm-hmm having an interest in something, you sort of dip your toe in the water and then you, you sort of, you've got to make up your mind, oh, I, I don't like the pool, I don't like the water, or I do. Mm. So, and that's, that's completely different for everyone. Like, and that goes down to like, I think the most basic of things, like, you not know, everyone likes the same food. So <laughs> like, um, it, it's, yeah, it's impossible to have a blanket rule and like a, a one shoe fits all approach to, to everything, especially something as complex as, as governance, like, apples and oranges. Like, yeah it's you you can't make the the same thing doesn't work for for two people because their interests are different their likes and dislikes are different their Mm. needs are totally different so yeah that makes total sense for sure
1: yeah right i guess um we can kind of lead into the question i had first of all Mm -hmm. when it comes to social contracts is in your mind like what are social contracts maybe a few examples of general social contracts that all of us kind of agree to without having to sign any sort of bit of paper or anything you know what are social
0: contracts yeah totally um i think one of the most interesting ones uh which someone someone explained to me like literally just the when you're driving for example the line in the in a road mm. like that that line is is separating you from life or death without you even knowing it like you're just in Obviously, when you get a driver's license, you sit the test. Okay, these are the laws. We drive on the left in Australia, it's New Zealand, or the right in another country. But it's so fascinating that, like, all it really takes—it's nothing. You can just, you could just pull the wheel across, and you could be—you know—if you want to be chaotic, you can easily cause chaos just by crossing over almost an imaginary line. It's not mm-hmm. a physical barrier at all. Mm-hmm. The car is completely capable of crossing the line, mm-hmm. but we all just obliged because we know there's so much, it's like a risk versus reward system. Like, mm. Of course the, the reward way outweighs the risk of, of going over line. Plus we don't want to be immoral kind of thing. But mm. I think that's just a perfect example. Like when you're driving, everyone is just constantly agreeing to these are the rules. This is how we do it to keep each other safe. Uh, we want to do the right thing by each other. We want to keep the of traffic going, like all that kind of thing. I think that's actually pretty fascinating because when you're out driving, whether or, whether or not you know it like yeah you are in a, in a vehicle that's completely capable of causing a lot of damage but mm. for the overwhelming majority of times you drive a car like everything does everything goes pretty well so i think that's that's actually pretty pretty awesome
1: yeah that's a pretty good example actually i guess mm. what i get from that is the idea of social contracts really since I don't, know, I don't know when the first social contract got put in place, probably way back in our caveman days when people said, all right, when we get a kill and we cook it over the fire, we split it this way.
0: Yeah, and the, that's a I great guess,
1: example, yeah. I guess the idea of those social contracts is each time one is agreed upon by a community, even though there might be a little bit of sacrifice initially, uh, mm-hmm. overall the goal is to make, uh, make the situation better for everyone. So your example, like, mm-hmm. if we just let people drive wherever the fuck they wanted to drive, we'd probably have a lot of people dying, <laughs> you know, from yeah, crashing yeah, into exactly. each other or, yeah. you know. I mean, have you been to India? Because that's one place I want to go. Yeah. I think that social contract isn't really adhered to as much.
0: No, man, it's crazy there. It's, uh, the best way I can describe it is like a... And I don't mean this in a, in a rude way, but the way the traffic moves is like a school of fish. Yeah. You know how when you you move and the school of fish like moves together in a like almost like a in like a fluid way yeah that's honestly how the how the traffic is it's crazy like the tuk-tuks and the cars are all they're always in like a state of flow like there's not (laughs) everything's not such straight lines but they have it they have a system for it like they know to honk when they're overtaking or a little a little toot means like I'm behind you. Like it's and they really it's pretty funny how they work it out there. Yeah, right. So they, like, I guess they have their own... Old, organized chaos. I yeah. guess
1: so. That in a way they've got their own form of social contract when it comes to driving.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, so, yeah. They would like just crazy. pull out in
1: front of traffic <laughs> and like stop, stop, stop. Like they still have
0: like uh, a sort of uh, it. Probably doesn't make much sense to us, but there's there's some there's some uh, there's some rules there. Yeah. I
1: don't, <laughs> I remember actually driving a scooter in Vietnam and I started to learn pretty quickly, like, you know, one toot oh, means this, nice. two toots means this kind of thing. And then you get into the swarm, like you told talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it, like, it does feel like there's a bit of a social contract there. Like, yeah. people kind of understand, all right, he's tooting once. That means he's, mm-hmm. he's overtaking me. Like, I'll pull over a little bit. And even yeah. though, like you say, it's like organized chaos, right?
0: Yeah, totally. And you know what I mean when I say a school of fish? Like, when it's all, like, packed together, mm. it's not, like, so neatly organised, but they fit as much in as they can at each set of lights or that kind of thing. Like, they make it – they use every, like, bit of uh, spare space they can,
1: mm. which – and it
0: works for them, so it's yeah.
1: – Yeah, right. I guess, um, <laughs> I guess a couple of um, other social contracts would be things like, you know, the Constitution in America yeah. – they agree to live to by the it. constitution or things like to make it on a smaller scale when you're at school put up your hand to ask a question everyone kind of agrees that you've got to put up your hand you can't just blurt out an answer i guess those are other kind of yeah. forms of social contract
0: um, yeah i think
1: oh sorry no you go you go
0: i was gonna say i think that's like um I don't know if that's the right term for it, but like mutually beneficial. So like the driving is a great example, but even the putting up your hand thing, if, let's say you are the type that's more inclined to just at school, you want to spit out the answer. Oh, I know But you know that like putting up your hand and okay, maybe the teacher uh, avoids you a few times and you get picked off or something and you're a little bit frustrated oh, are you first or whatever, but you know that like putting up your hand rather than blurting out the answer means someone else has to do the same thing too. So like, you can't just, even if you have the answer and you want to blow it out, you hold yourself back because you know everyone else is holding themselves back. Do you know what I mean? It's like, like, uh, almost, yeah, I guess that's the essence of the social contract. But everyone sort of agrees it's actually better if we both play by the rules. Like yeah. If we both play by the rules, it works faster And
1: And And I guess as more people agree upon a social contract, then you have more accountability. So if someone does step out of line, for example, like, look at we look oh, at, yeah, we, look at we look at murder as something in general i don't know about some countries in the world but most countries look at murder as something yeah, that's just, bad yeah. you know it's like a social contract if you kill someone you go to jail or you get put to death mm-hmm. or whatever a country's laws are and mm-hmm. i guess when that kind of happens the rest of the community goes hold on you're breaking the social contract like i, I guess murder's a good example because When you really think about it, there's nothing to actually stop people from just walking out, like Trump said in his speech and, you know, shooting someone on Fifth Avenue. The only thing that's stopping that is that we all agree that it's bad. Yeah. So I guess in that Um, way, social contracts keep us in line. And like you say, it's mutually beneficial for everyone to agree upon.
0: Yeah. But it's interesting as well because there's probably so many social contracts that are depending on... The, the amount of suppression in some countries that people don't get to agree on. Mm. But perhaps they're not so much social contracts. But um, what's an example? I don't want to say, uh, like, maybe monitoring the population, mm. the CCTV or a, a, any number of countries that do this. Perhaps people don't actually want to be monitored or watched or blah, blah, blah. But it's just, it's going on and it's happening and you don't really have a choice. It's not like when you turn 18, hey, you're an adult, um, do you want to be recorded here here and here or blah 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 like you don't really get a choice in those things but as part of living in that country or that place or that for you know that tribe you're sort of you're taking the good and the bad okay I like you're filling your basket okay I like these social contracts but I got to make a sacrifice over here too mm-hmm. so and what I mean by over here I mean is maybe there's some contracts social contracts that you don't agree with or you don't like and then there's some that you do like and it's all about like weighing up the pros and cons i think yeah right and so. i think actually i think that's you see a lot of like young like um entrepreneurs and stuff like that moving to like let's say bali or or thailand or something where they had that more free lifestyle. if i ride my motorbike i don't have to wear a helmet deal um all mm. those kind of things if i turn up to work uh, Ten minutes late at the cafe in Bali, it's way more chill. The boss is more relaxed because the contracts there are different. So I think mm. like the change of lifestyle appeals to different people. Mm. And that's actually why I think it's a good thing to have like a, like a variation in, in some contracts because like what we said at the start, what works for one person totally might not work for another.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Mm. So in a way, like even though I think eventually we'll move to more of a globalist society, it's still good to have those differences in different countries because for some people, the social contract is viewed as negative. Whereas for some people that same social contract might be viewed as a positive.
0: Yeah. 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 Like I I guess another example would be like Latin American countries. It's not rude at all to play music really loud on a speaker system in in like a local park. You know, they're pumping like the Latino drums and that kind of thing or having the speakers on, and to, to like, as a traveller, you're like, oh, wow, this is, like, so exotic and so much happening. But I don't think you can get away with that in a park in, like, a conservative or, like, a country, you know, a small town in Australia, yeah. or let alone Sydney. People will be, like, up in arms, like, what the hell is going on down here? Like,
1: <laughs> What's that bloody red?
0: Yeah, but down there, it's totally cool. It's totally fine. No one minds. It's just, yeah, it's, it's how it is. Yeah,
1: true. So I guess essentially different social contracts in different places are uh what they're essentially a like a what's the word for it they're kind of culture. showing what the yeah they're showing what the general culture in the community um wants and
0: mm-hmm. yeah i
1: guess their identity yeah, yeah. in a way so with with so let's kind of make the comparison i think we kind of have an idea on what social contracts are in general So let's maybe make the comparison back to the individual in terms of self-social contracts. I guess in a way it's it's exactly the same. People have their own contracts with themselves and some of those contracts are negative, which end up resulting in bad habits and bad decisions and bad outcomes Mm. and, you know, uh, shitty emotions. Whereas some of those contracts... um, are positive and they end up yeah. in positive habits and positive results and momentum, growth, and contribution, and all that good stuff that boosts serotonin in our brain and makes us smile more. <laughs> is that kind of
0: yeah,
1: yeah, a good comparison?
0: Yeah, that's dude, that's exactly exactly what. Yeah, that's I, and that's what was like interesting. I think both of us with the with the whole idea is like because I guess with this with this social contract, like we were saying, it's like mutually agreed upon there's a sort of a repercussion or an effect if you don't fulfill your end of the bargain. With a self-social contract, let's say your new year's resolution is to get more fit. Um, no one's really breathing down your neck on those things. They're up to you. Like and you can easily fulfill them or not complete them. And there's, there's really no rules for the self-social contract aside from the fact that you're agreeing to it, which I think is super fascinating as well. And, I don't know I think what's funny as well is different generations well I I think anyway different generations also have different a set of social contract like self-social contracts things that they want to do with or do for themselves which I I find super interesting honestly it's pretty cool where we're placing our values in our time and stuff
1: yeah for sure so I guess like with self-social contracts I guess in a way they're kind of principles values and they lead to goals and outcomes. But the que- mm-hmm. my question for you would be after saying that, you know, if with social contracts, there's a community of people that can hold you accountable, right? With self-social contracts, it's just you. So for people who are sitting there going, well, if I look at my New Year's resolutions, I actually haven't achieved any of this. <laughs> mm-hmm. How would you yeah. suggest people hold themselves accountable if it is just them?
0: Yeah, so this is the other thing that I was, like, that was super interesting. Like, when we're talking about, yeah, the the change of people's minds with the corona and COVID and being inside more, there's actually some studies that show there are ways you can effectively complete your goal, your self-social contracts, far more. So I've had some stuff here that says here, one study shows that people who write down their ambitions have a 40% higher chance of completing, like, perhaps not um, something that's oh, I'm going to make a million dollars in a week. That's like a bit unrealistic, but let's say what we're saying about fitness. Um, hey, I want to I get, do, do 30 minutes more exercise per week or 100, uh, sorry, one hour uh, more exercise per week. If it's written down, uh, it serves as a constant reminder and people are getting like way more back from that. So I think like writing down your goals is actually so, so important. Mm. and having the visualization as well. Mm. And I think it's, it's, it fascinates me that something as small as writing it down, like let's say you make a list, takes you three minutes of your entire life, which is, I don't think that's so much to, to sacrifice, but the benefits are huge. Like mm. just, by, just by visualizing and taking that time for yourself to make those goals that three minutes or however long it's gonna be. Mm. Like the amount of the amount of payback you get for that three minutes is crazy. Like you could get bitter, you could maybe if, if you're saying I want to learn a new language or just I want to learn how to say hello in five languages, whatever it is, like it, it, it actually blows my mind that there's like the simple the simple breakdown of just writing it down. It's like mm. there's a bit of magic in that I think it's it's really cool.
1: Yeah, I agree completely with what you're saying in terms of writing it down. And then I think to go a step further would be to essentially flood your uh, yourself with that information on a daily basis so that you can't totally. ignore it so that you have to be accountable for it. But I would say, like, I guess two thoughts that kind of came into my mind while I was listening to you would be, one, people's ability to delay gratification. So, Mm -hmm. like, say you have a goal to, I don't know, be a a healthier person in general, to run 30 minutes a day every week. For a lot of people, I guess they probably don't have enough capacity to delay gratification. Like, especially in today's world, everyone wants instant gratification, you know, they want to see the results now. So, Mm -hmm. with, with that in mind, maybe like the writing down the visualization might be enough to get someone started, but then what's going to motivate them to keep going with that. If they're not getting gratification within a week or even a month or the results they're looking for in that amount of time,
0: Mm.
1: what do you think is something that can, you go
0: can improve like their chance of success. So, well, so yeah, I mean, this is something else I was looking at, looking into as well. So I, I sort of have, I don't know, I have two questions that kind of go with that. The first one would be um, how much, like I guess how much a promise is worth to an individual. So like if they make a promise to themselves or to someone else, how much is that worth? So that's completely up to the individual. If they're really dedicated and they're okay with failure 10 times just to get that 11th time the success, and they're okay with no serotonin, You know, or gratification process, then perhaps their success rate's going to be like, um, be way higher. Mm. But, um, and and as well with what we're saying with the, um, here with writing it down increases your chances of actually succeeding in a goal. It, it, this, the same study showed that talking about your goals actually increases your chance. And that's like what you're saying about flooding yourself with information, but being vulnerable and actually having a, a social contract with others also makes you. Um, as we were saying before, like makes you uh, how do I say it? You're, you're you're engaging in a contract. So if you say to everyone, "Oh yeah, you know, uh, my news resolution is I'm gonna I'm gonna be super fit in a month's time," everyone will go, "Okay, well you told us now, like <laughs> we're expecting <laughs> to see some results." Yeah. So if you're if you're not if you're a little bit confident and you're okay with embarrassing yourselves, but it, you're okay with that for the want of of self progress it actually might not be a bad thing to voice your goals and and share them with other people. If there's something small, if there's something achievable and and sort of put yourself um, put yourself out there a bit more as well because then, especially if you have good friends that support you and look after you, they're also going to be there to help you commit to that contract. Mm. Um, and I think that's really cool too. So just just talking about your goals is, is another way of, um, or just voicing goals like I, I want to do this or... I am doing this, I am exercising more, then people say, oh, okay, okay. So that they now have that image in their head of you being someone who is committed to exercising more. So if you don't live up to that expectation, you're not only letting down your social contract, but you're letting down the social contract that you had um, portrayed, I guess, as well. So right. mm. I think that's another good method.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. the The only thing I would add to that is, So, I did a podcast with a friend of mine, Jesse, a couple weeks back about building your tribe. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. when it comes to accountability, especially when it comes to, like, uh, your principles, your values, some of the goals and markers that you want to hit, it's really important who you get to be, like, your accountability partners, I guess you could call them. Because I remember, you know, way back in, like, my early 20s, I would do that. I'd write them down, down my goals, and then I'd... You know, spam to everyone, oh, this is what I'm going to do. But I think I kind of subconsciously knew that the people I was telling weren't really going to hold me accountable. So that's where I think, like, if you are going to get people to hold you accountable, and I think this will help for more introvert, introverted or shy people as well, as talk to people you trust, people you really know have your best interests at heart and want you to yeah. succeed. Because those people you know, when you, you know, don't turn up for your 6 a.m. run at the park, you know that they're going to be, like, spam calling you until you wake up and turn up for the run. You know, they're not going to be like, oh, yeah, you know you missed one, that's okay. They're going to be like, ah, dude, like, this is what you agreed to. Like, where are you? (laughs) Yeah, and those
0: friends are so important, totally. I like,
1: yeah. I guess I guess the other question I'd have is, so I guess self-social contracts in a way, let's call them goals, principles, values, um... Mm -hmm purpose, meaning, all that kind of stuff. Whatever people generally want to achieve or the kind of person someone wants to be. When you're thinking about building habits or systems around that kind of principle or that value, for a lot of people, I guess, they get to a certain point, maybe three months, six months down the track, and they're just miserable. Like, they're not enjoying it anymore. They're not pumped on it. They feel lethargic. <laughs> and I think I think the thing that's missing a lot of times with that is... You know, where's the reward? Like, what's the motivation mm. for continuing with that? So my question to you would be, you know, if someone's going to change their self-social contracts, if they're going to choose to be someone better, which I'm hoping if people are redoing their self-social contracts, it's to improve, <laughs> not to get worse. But what would, you suggest, yeah, so. what would you suggest they could do in order to ensure that those habits stick, that that kind of change in principles of values mm. stick?
0: Yeah. Um, I would say there's sort of two things. Um, I think the first one would be mentorship. And I don't mean mentorship as the the wise guru with the, the long beard, but um, learn from other people who've forged that same path. Like someone out there has taught themselves another language. Someone out there has um, stopped swearing in their everyday language or someone out there has... Um, got a little bit more fit or someone out there has in, has stopped telling lies as part of a promise to themselves or, or whatever their contract could be. It could be a, a physical contract. It could be a set of values. that someone out there has forged that path before you. And a good friend of mine told me, um, oh, this is actually while I was doing my dive master and said, um, no expert ever forged the path alone. Like everyone had to learn at least something from the the person for them. Like, you know, if you're trying to be a sword master or whatever, and you're out in the forest practicing with your sword, someone out there is going to say, hey, do this differently or do this. So a mentor doesn't have to be necessarily um, someone who's in the structure of superiority, but a mentor could be like we're saying a friend or someone like that. And I think that's so important to get a mentor who can actually give you feedback from the outside. So I don't know, maybe you're not getting any of those rewards, like you're saying, but the mentor could be the one to say, hey, just hang in there two more weeks. You're yeah. so close. Um, yeah. You will get the reward or you will get the, the payback. Or trust me, I had the same thing happen to me. It took, it took a little bit more time. So I think, I don't know, learning from other people is super cool and super, I don't know, kind of eye-opening I think that would be the first thing. And the second thing would be, for me, I, I definitely learned over the last few years um, the saying, you know, biting off more than you can chew. But starting with small goals and then working up to the bigger goal is super, super important because then you are actually getting that, that instant stage of gratification. So let's say the learning a language one is really good because you can break that down. And it's a goal that a lot of people set for themselves at some point in their life. Rather than just say... I want to be fluent in Spanish in a year, which is totally cool. If you have the time and you have the commitment, go for it. But if that's too big of a goal for you and then you, you get six months in and you say, oh, I suck at Spanish, like I can barely say anything, maybe just reshape your approach. Okay, I want to be able to have um, a basic, sorry, a basic conversation within three months. I want to be able to say all the numbers up to 20 within one month and then you're getting that you're building one brick at a time. And that actually is building up to something bigger. Mm. And I think, yeah, having like bite-sized chunks is, is a really good way of like um, of approaching a, a social contract, a self social contract and, and making it more achievable and making it sustainable for the long run. Mm. You're not just going to be able to do a hundred ups as soon as you make yourself a fitness plan. Perhaps you've got to start with 20 and then work your way in.
1: Yeah. Right. No, I like that. Have you have you read a a book by James Clare, It's called Atomic Habits? No, no. It's a really good book. And he kind of he kind of talks about what you're saying in terms of breaking things down, but in a much uh, he dives into it much deeper. So for example, let's say yeah. the learning the language one, uh, like having the three months and the sixth month kind of um targets is good Mm -hmm. but he also kind of breaks it down even further to say all right maybe day one you set a time when you're going to spend half an hour on your language learning Mm. but instead of saying i'm going to learn for half an hour you just sit down on the seat where you're planning to learn the language and that's the only goal for that day and then day two you sit down and you write one word in, in the language you're trying to learn and you just learn that one word and then yep. day three, and that kind of builds like what we're talking about, the instant gratification and the the reward system where, mm. you know, each time, each day you're doing it, you're going, all right, cool. Like I achieved, I achieved, I achieved. And then that builds that excitement and that, I guess, the desire yeah. to continue doing it. And the same, the same with the fitness side of things, because I guess that's another good example as well. Um, like day one, you know, say you're going to go for a run at 8 a.m. each day. All you do on day one is you get up and you put your shoes on. That's it. You don't even go for the yeah. run. You don't even open the door. Then day two you open the door. Day three you decide. Well, I'm outside. I guess I'll jog for five minutes. And then before you know it, mm. you're hitting your half an hour a day target and even more. You know, you're you're way ahead of where you, where you thought you were. Um, yeah, so that's, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I think another thing I would add is. Uh, and this kind of comes down to self value. Like, people tend to have this bias towards um, being harsh on themselves, you know, not being kind to themselves when they fail. But often people kind of they don't reward themselves or celebrate the wins, you know, be positive about the successes they have. It's kind of this overwhelming yeah, yeah. need to be like, oh, you know, like I fucked this up, I didn't achieve this, I suck. And then that just makes you hate that kind of self-social contract that you've created even more and eventually give up on it. So I don't know if, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but, but if you do, what would be some tips you would have for people who are kind of feeling that negativity towards what they're doing? Negativity towards what they're doing? Um, Negativity to what, like, you know, that new goal that they're trying to achieve or that new value they're trying to create habits around. Like, what are some tips you'd give them to reward themselves? I guess to celebrate the positive things, the achievements, rather than dwell on the failures or the the fuck ups in a way.
0: Yeah, oh, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I think that would I think that would like a a blanket rule for everyone might be a bit hard because everyone is um, is different. Like maybe some people don't need as much reward as others, kind of thing, but. I don't know. That's a really good. I actually don't don't have like a, Mm -hmm. a sort of an idea for that one. But I guess if like we're saying, if people require that reward to to keep themselves going, maybe implement implement sorry a rewards program. Maybe say, hey, if you know what, if I do put my shoes on and I don't go for the run, then I'll, um, have a smoothie or maybe I'll (laughs) whatever. Yeah. I'll, I'll spend, I'll get to play my favorite video game. If I do half an hour of the walking, I can do half an hour of my video game as well, or something like that. So maybe if there's no immediate reward from the actual goal, so no serotonin release from the exercise, or no directly intrinsic reward, perhaps you can create your own reward scheme that goes to match that, to go hand in hand, or take away some of the things that aren't rewarding you um that aren't your goals if that makes sense because then you're putting more focus in the things that you do want to achieve and even if there's not an instant reward you're actually still working more towards something that's that is satisfying to you i don't know that's it's a really good question though
1: yeah i think i agree with you in terms of finding ways to reward yourself because people generally learn better when they're enjoying something right like if you're trying to learn Try a language, it. but you hate it, you're just not going to take it in. Like your brain's just going to yeah, deny keep, it. Keep
0: it fun. And, th- and yeah,
1: that's, why it ki- fun. that's why kids learn so fast is because they're just always inquisitive. They're always enjoying it. They're having fun. Like, and that's the thing a lot mm-hmm. of adults forget is if you're wanting to achieve something, if you're wanting to make something a value, then you, you need to enjoy it. So you need to implement some sort of reward system. And that could be something totally. like, uh, you know, if I study, uh, for me, it's Portuguese. I think for you, it's Spanish. If I study Portuguese yeah. for half an hour, then um, I'll have a coffee. Or if
0: yeah, yeah. another yeah, another yeah. more
1: instant one would be, for example, when there's some days I wake up and I'm writing and I'm just like, I don't I don't want to ride, like I really don't want to do this. But my instant reward is I put on my headphones and I put on some calming music, some music I like, and that gets me into the zone. Like it puts a smile on my face, it gets me enjoying what I'm doing. So something yeah. like that could be a reward as well. And I think in, yeah. regards, in regards to kind of removing those self-social contracts that you don't want to identify with anymore, it's as simple as removing the reward, like removing the trigger, removing the reward. For example, smoking. Um, what's the trigger for people when they smoke? Maybe it's having a coffee. Cool, all right, so when you, when you have your coffee, you know that that's a trigger. Um, so, mm, so you
0: reverse the reverse the order.
1: Yeah, you reverse the trigger. No, co- no and, coffee, no cigarette. And then what's the reward with having a cigarette? It's social. So maybe you make it that you put your cigarette pack in a place where no one else is, you're alone, you're isolated, and then it makes you feel like, oh, well, there's no real reward for this anymore. Like, what's the point in continuing mm-hmm. this kind of damaging social contract with myself? Time for a quick break. And back to the podcast.
0: Perhaps you could just write down a list of, of like things you do like. Yeah, perhaps like having your coffee is something you like, or having a cup of tea, something mm. as small as that. And then do exactly what you're saying. Just say, yeah, if I go for my run or if I sit down for my Portuguese, I make myself a cup of tea. So maybe yeah. yeah, you could. I, I think that's totally like a, a good approach as well. Yeah, man, and that's uh, that's really interesting what you're saying about like untraining the the bad social contracts as well. To I, I think for a lot of people, just identifying negative social contracts might not be even on their radar. Uh, maybe for smoking, people say, "Oh man, you shouldn't smoke," so that one's quite obvious. But the ones that aren't obvious, um, they make they may take a lot of time to sort of root out and change. Mm. But I think it's also okay to have some social contracts that maybe they're not even social contracts, more just habits that. They don't always have to be perfectly beneficial. Like let's say you're um, really into your photography or something like that and you're spending tons of money on photography gear, but you're not really using it. Okay, that's probably not like the, the smartest approach with your money or whatever if you're not really making money back with photography gear. People say, man, why are you buying new this or new that? Like, come on, you've got all this crazy gear that you never use. But perhaps that's just their passion and their, and their love. So, mm. I don't know. Some things, I think it's okay to have a bit of leeway in terms of um, so not all contracts need to be perfectly aligned with, you know, something that's moral or, or morality is obviously good. But do, do you know what I'm saying? Like,
1: yeah.
0: yeah no, I know. Perhaps there are some contracts or habits that you have that aren't like, they are allowed to be a little bit um, selfish or mm. whatever
1: yeah, I think when it comes to, like, self-social contracts and values that you live by and your principles that you have for yourself, um, this kind of idea of goals, to me, like, I, I don't really do goals anymore. I I try to create systems that kind of build towards the only real goal that matters to me. And, like, when I ask mm-hmm. you, like, okay, give me an example of one of your goals, let's it.
0: Okay um oh okay uh complete some higher form of higher education so i was like really interested when i was like okay i've been traveling for so long um if i can't get back to canada i want to get something like another notch on the belt kind of thing or a feather in the hat so now i'm doing my set in fitness to become a pt so that was a goal i set myself because i knew i've got this time because of covid i want to smash out some coursework and Mm. yeah that's probably something that i set myself
1: for sure yeah nice like that's that's an amazing goal what i would ask you next is thanks yeah What, what i would ask you next though is why why are you pursuing that goal what is the result that you're after with that goal what is it you want to achieve
0: um yeah totally um, so for me, it was like a double ante. It was good because I'm, I'm interested in the body, I'm interested in movement, I'm interested in um, exercise, nutrition. So that, so, so the learning process wasn't daunting. So for me, it wasn't just okay. I want to get this certificate to become a PT. It was also like, well, I like I enjoy reading, or well, I enjoy learning. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm super stoked to to do the fitness certificate. So that so that was already one thing. Um, just the learn, just getting more knowledge is is interesting to me. But the other thing as well was. I'm sure the same man. we both traveled uh, a ton and it's it's such a fun fun lifestyle when you're young. And I was like, what's something I can do where I can actually give back while I travel or like contribute while, a bit more while I travel? Because there's a lot of girls who do yoga classes or this kind of thing. And I was like, it would be super cool if I could do fitness classes with people at hostels or wherever I am. and uh, while I travel, so like to me that seemed like super interesting to be able to have that flexibility of using something while I travel because obviously travel for me is like my the biggest goal
1: always. Yeah. Right. Okay. So <laughs> I guess to break it down a little bit, you're you're doing it in a way to contribute, in a way to continue the lifestyle that you enjoy. Let's break it down even further. Yeah, like, absolutely. what does what does that? contribution and that continuation of your lifestyle what does that give you um this is really diving into your why's you know like why do you create
0: goals why do you i think it's there's a funny saying where he was actually on the jerry podcast jocko willink and he says discipline equals freedom so like the more you Perhaps discipline and set goals and do the things you do, put in the hard work or put in the the things you need to do to get that freedom. Uh, And freedom doesn't necessarily mean running through a field of daisies with no worries over your head. Freedom could be freedom, the time to surf or freedom to do other things. So, I guess for me, the fitness course and like why I do it is to have like the freedom um, to live a lifestyle I enjoy. It really just comes back to lifestyle. Like, I really want to be able to have that ability to live a life that's just really full of adventure and stories and mm. um i just love meeting new people as well so i think travel is for me it's it's so interesting yeah right um and for me it seemed like a good way to tie in with that
1: yeah right no i, I see that i think the main thing i'm getting out of that is the enjoyment which to me is happiness right so when it really comes down to it, all of the goals that we yeah, create, freedom, all yeah, of the yeah. self-social contracts we create is around one main goal, which is mm. to be happy. So why do you think like people make a goal of, I want to earn a million dollars this year? It's because they think that when they get to a million dollars, they're going to be happy. And then they get to a million dollars and they're happy for a moment, but then they haven't really achieved the goal. So they set another goal. But mm-hmm. if you dive that's, really that's... deep into all of the goals you create, the only reason you're creating goals, the only reason you're creating self-social contracts, is because you want to be happy. So for me, yeah. I've kind of steered away from goals, and I kind of got a lot of this information off a of, uh, someone who's kind of a mentor to me. His name's Chris, and he first opened my eyes to this when I was rattling off a bunch of goals, and he was like, "Yeah, but man, like, don't you just want to be happy? Isn't that the real goal?" And I was like, "Shit, yeah." You're totally right. Like all of the stuff I'm doing is the overarching reason is just to be happy. And for you, happiness comes as the word freedom, right? So for me, I've kind of steered more away from goals and started creating, in terms of my self-social contracts, I've created principles that I know that if I live by, I'll be happy, no matter what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I've created systems that allow me to live by those principles. And by doing, following those systems and following those principles, I'm kind of achieving all the little goals and the markers I have along the way anyway.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: totally. But the only thing that really matters yeah, like d- is d- just the happiness freedom,
0: right?
1: yeah. yeah, so like a little a little bit off a little bit off topic, but I think like when people are writing these self-social contracts for themselves, when they're kind of writing down these goals and implementing more accountability and trying to create raw rewards to continue the good habits. They should kind of really have mm-hmm. in mind, like, all right, is this goal getting me closer to the only goal that really matters, which is to be happy? Or is this just another mm-hmm. self-social contract I'm doing to impress someone else? Or is this another self-social contract I'm doing because I think that achieving this material goal will get me happiness? Mm-hmm, totally. So I think that's the yeah, and I think, thing yeah. to, to discuss is, like, why are you creating the self-social contract? What is the real reason behind it? Because if it's not to be happy, if it's not to have your own kind of joy, then why are you doing it? What's the point?
0: Yeah. I think, I don't know, maybe for me personally, like happiness is one and like a motivator, major motivator. But I think there are um, other motivators too. Like, um, like the feeling of satisfaction, for example, like maybe it doesn't bring you happiness, but it brings you... Like the, the sensation, like let's say an athlete who's trained year after year after year to, to compete in this two-kilometer or whatever running race and they smash it, they win. Perhaps the feeling they get isn't pure happiness and joy, but it's like it's like that, that self-pat on the back like, yes, I did it. I can achieve like these things and like that, that sense that it comes from like the hard work um, did pay off all these kind of things. And I think that actually ties back into the fact that a lot of people are starting now to realize that, yeah, of course, I'm sure you're, you're the saying that happiness can come from within first. So looking always externally here or here or like what, what systems can I do, goal planning or something to gratify myself. You're totally right then. Like if you're always seeking the, the gratification, you're going to because the reality is once you tick one box, you're going to have another one and another one and another one. No one gets to some point. I, well, I don't think, and just says, "Yeah, I'm done now. Uh, my life is perfect, and there's no stone left unturned. I'm good." I think there's always something more, and that, that's so beautiful about the human drive. We're always trying to to do that little bit more. So perhaps it is super healthy to to recognize, "Yeah, there's always going to be another New Year's resolution, and there's always going to be another set of goals." But but really, if I want, if happiness is my goal, I've got to look. Inwards first, but if happiness isn't my goal, perhaps I can can get that reward system somewhere else.
1: Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I think like contentment, for
0: example, or sense of satisfaction, mm. or something like that. Like, mm. yeah,
1: yeah. No, it's interesting what you bring up, and I think for a lot of people out there who maybe they already have achieved that kind of inward happiness, and they already feel content with the journey that they're on maybe a goal Mm -hmm. or a marker that's not related to happiness that's more related to just something that they want to achieve that'll i guess enhance Mm -hmm. their happiness is a healthy thing to have it's it's a healthy thing to want to grow and contribute so yeah i like that there's that quote as well on the on the idea of happiness and i can't remember exactly how it goes it's something like if you if you chase happiness if you choose to pursue happiness then it'll always elude you but if you sit with your thoughts happiness may come and sit gently upon your shoulder like a butterfly or something, something like that the quote is way better than what i just said but i think I no think no that's, i get what you're saying yeah i think uh yeah think,
0: sometimes yeah i know what you mean <laughs>
1: Anyway, I think we're... Maybe the signs
0: are Maybe the signs are right in front of you, to, but you're just not able to read them yet or whatever. You know, maybe you're... Yeah, like the butterfly on the shoulder is a great example. Maybe you're always looking to, to photograph the perfect uh, sunset or something, and then boom, one day you stand outside, and there it is. Yeah. You've chased wherever... You've gone far and wide from pillar to post, and all of a sudden it just happens to you, or all of a sudden the butterfly lands on your shoulder or whatever. Totally, yeah. yeah.
1: I get that. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure the wise person that said it said it way better than I just did, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't
0: worry. I'm not so eloquent either.
1: <laughs> anyway, bro. That's what, um. That's what quotes are for. I guess to kind of finish up what we're talking about in terms of self-social contracts, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of questions I would have for you is, Given the times and given the big changes that have happened in your life, and I guess everyone's lives around the world, some to more extent than others, uh, mm-hmm. I think we're quite lucky from that perspective in terms of where we live and you know the families we have and the privilege that we have. But what what are some totally. what are some changes you're making to your self social contracts? Like what what are some big changes that you want to make as a result of this? And the second question would be for anyone out there who's um, wanting to change their own self-social contracts, kind of take a different direction for their lives, what would be the key takeaways for them, the main tips?
0: I think the two things I'm doing, uh, I'll keep it short and sweet, is actually similar to you, more discipline. So what I mean by that isn't um, smacking myself when I'm not doing something or whatever, but I I mean like,
1: (laughs) yeah... (laughs) Just get one of those frigging, um, those like, uh, what are they called? The whips that they use to s- slap oh, themselves in yeah. the back? Like, flagellation? Yeah,
0: flagellation. Fla- flagellation. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, but more like, um, more actually sitting down and taking the time to to commit and like what we're saying, write these things down and be more committed to those, to what you want to do. So more, I guess more discipline. Mm. And actually, finally, enough, sim- simplifying, mm. like, it's so easy in this day and age where we have so many choices and so many options to have a million different um, things we want to get around to or a million different things we want to do or learn about. But I think it's actually super cool just to focus on maybe one or two or three or four, you know, maybe just a handful of little things that mean far more to you than um, the little, so many little things like scattergunning your ideas. So for me, it's been sort of, Simplification and and discipline, I think, is the two options. And for anyone else trying to engage in self social contracts, um, I guess just the the best place to start is ask yourself a question. Like, I think everything starts with questions now. Like, Mm. just ask yourself yeah, what do you want? What do you want to change? How do you want to go about it? The questions, without a question, there is no answer. So, yeah, I think that's the perfect place to start. Ask Mm. yourself some questions. Sure.
1: More questions. And I think with those questions, Mm -hmm. the only thing I'd add to that is make sure that the answers that you're giving are your own. Like they're not. So for example, a lot of people might ask the question, What do I really want to achieve this year? And Mm -hmm. a lot of the time I feel like people don't kind of come from their own mind. They're not honest with themselves. They say what they think other people would love to see them achieve, but they don't actually go. Man, what are like, like, honest with myself, what do I actually want to achieve? Maybe your goals aren't what other people picture you to be achieving in a year from now. Maybe you don't want to be a partner at a law firm. Maybe all you want to really achieve is to connect with someone in a different country and a different culture and experience that vibe. Maybe all you Mm -hmm. want to achieve is to, I don't know, have a kid, have a family.
0: Yeah. You've always wanted to be an artist, or or something like that.
1: Yeah. yeah. exactly. So I think now's a good time to really be honest with yourself, especially if you're alone. Like, who's there to judge you? It's only you.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Totally. Nice man. No, it's a great way. Great way of putting it, bro. I totally
1: agree. Uh, so is there anything else you can kind of think of before we wrap up the second podcast?
0: Oh no, it's been it's been good, man. I I, I really liked doing this. I feel like I always leave such like a fresh perspective. Um, no, I don't, I don't think I have too much else to add. There's one thing else I had written down here actually called um, it's called Pascal's Wager. Have you heard of that? It's no. a French it's a French mathematician that's pretty much pretty much said um, like you know, it's got I got written down believing in God far outweighs the potentials of not believing in um, in any religion because if the the potential is getting to go to heaven mm-hmm. versus not going to heaven. Like why not just believe in something or I, here's the example of God, but I guess you could use the example of any greater religion or anything mm-hmm. that you believe in, which is a super interesting question. Like what are the benefits, like do the benefits outweigh the negatives um, with your goal setting? Cause maybe that's, that's something that's like super important to like, mm. find out whether or not you're, are you making too much emphasis on, On taking up a goal that really yeah like you said won't bring you happiness
1: yeah i think that's a really good way to look at it on the faith side of things i think that's something i'm trying to introduce more into my life and it kind of goes around Mm. the idea of things that you're doing in, in life like a lot of the goals we have and a lot of the like perceived ideas we have around achieving something will make us happy is is very shallow and quite often there's no real big picture to it you know like there's no real big meaning to it whereas some of the smallest Mm. things that people achieve that give them really true long-lasting happiness are as simple as Mm. you know contributing to something bigger than yourself i think that's why Mm -hmm. in general people who have kids and have families that are close and tight-knit are happier because you know Mm. the, the having a family and maybe being on a average wage and not really achieving all your career goals or um your big you know single man or single woman goals that you have when you're younger although although you may not achieve those those big picture things you're achieving the real big picture things like contributing to something outside of yourself you know you're having kids you're having a family you're growing a community or it could be as simple as being the guy that i don't know goes and dedicates six months of his life to helping grow communities in Africa or Southeast Asia or South America. And I think mm-hmm. when, when people yeah. are kind of having these self-social contracts and really looking at what they want to achieve, when you, like you say with that quote, when you look at the bigger picture and you do things towards the bigger picture rather than just things that will give you that instant gratification, that's when you kind of really feel happiness. You really feel joy.